in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. And this is Dallin. It feels good to be back, Mitch. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> it feels back. good to be back. And ironically enough, we waited to come back to a time when there was no sports. I don't, I don't know how that worked, Mitch. But uh, I, yeah. we're here to help fill the sports void that we've all been experiencing for, what now, almost three weeks since the NBA season was canceled, and since then the world has not been the same. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long three weeks. I've uh, I've considered taking up crocheting. Oh, as a hobby. Um, I've also taken on watercolors and freestyle pottery. Will you paint me a watercolor of Cam Newton? I just I. I'm starting to not know what to do with my hands because yeah, of Mitch, those sports. I don't I, I would really like a watercolor painted by you of Cam Newton in a Panthers jersey for the last time. You oh that's right. So if you yeah. could do that for me, I would appreciate it. You got it, bud. You got it. I don't even care if it looks like a blue blob. <laughs> like It's in the mail already. It's so, just gonna be a blue blob. Trying to dab, you know, or something. I I don't know. Mitch, uh, this sucks. It's abstract, okay? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's art, artistic Picasso interpretation. Did it all the time. Yeah. You know, I actually, speaking of art, Mitch, I have been trying to, to learn the piano uh, mm. because Caitlin has a keyboard. She knows how to tickle the ivories. And now I, uh, I can't read music and I am not skilled in any musical instrument whatsoever. So I decided to start to learn, start, start trying to learn something. So I found a YouTube video to learn one of my favorite Kanye Kid Cudi tracks. And, uh, I'm working on that. So we'll see how it goes. I thought you, I thought you slapping the bass a little bit. Well, you know, I, for like a hot second, like a literal second, I think (laughs) in the span of life, it was a very short period of time. I did. We, you know, we did play the trumpet, I guess in like fifth and sixth grade. Right. So we did have that. You yeah, we did. We, uh, yeah, yeah. We cleaned out a lot of spit traps and, uh, Ugh. and, uh, made a lot of annoying sounds with that trumpet. I did learn how to play the star Wars theme on it though. Like just picking it up, like trying to figure it out. That was kind of cool. Best middle but, um, school decision you ever made was, was it dropping out of band? Was that it? Cause I'll put yeah, that. Yeah. It was when the band one. teacher told me, that I practiced basketball more than I practiced my trumpet. And I was like, yeah, you're damn right I do. <laughs> Band sucks. I'm out. You're like, <laughs> yeah, that's the point. <laughs> What's your I'd second- rather shoot a ball and be cool than play a trumpet. Not that playing a trumpet isn't cool. But... What's the second best decision you, you made during your middle school years? Um, ooh. Probably letting my hair grow back out because I went through that phase where I was shaving my hair. Yeah, I like seventh lot. grade. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just shaved it because I was just tired of hair, but 
I looked I looked a little racist when I shaved my head like that. You were uh, like, yeah. you were a tall, skinny, you know, shaved head. Yeah, I can feel that. I, I, you know, I understand that the curly locks look better. That's for sure. You know, a little they, bit of curl. Lock, t- ch- chicks dig the curls, you know. Right. Chicks dig the curls. Better than the skin so. head, you know. Well, my chick digs the curls at least. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, sports are uh, may not be going on, but – Mitch, I am so grateful for the NFL for not pushing back NFL free agency and giving us something during this time oh. of uh, of worry, of anxiety, and the world around us, and no sports, but at least we had NFL free agency, and I got to say, it did not disappoint. We had a ton of big names move around, uh, and some teams emerge as contenders for next year. Absolutely. Yeah, no, th- if without NFL free agency... I'd be a lost man. I'd just be a lost man. I don't know. I might be gardening outside right now instead of Ooh, talking wow. football. That is rock bottom. Friend. Yeah. I mean, I do want to grow pepper plants someday. But, like, I'd be, like, planting chrysanthemums in my front area. <laughs> it's very di- very know. different. <laughs> pepper is much yeah. more masculine. Is that the point? Is that Absolutely. Hey, you want to eat something that burn your face off? Here you go. <laughs> I can only grow masculine things like potatoes. <laughs> I dig them up when I grow them. I like just a man. A, just a big bite out of the potato. You can eat it like an apple. Does. Rub it onto your jeans. Eat it like an apple. It's great. Get your starches. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay, so NFL free agency, Mitch. Wait, wait, uh, wait. Can, can, I, can I do the thing? Oh, you want to? Oh yeah, this I mean, is we, like news. Yeah, sure, Mitch. We can't, we can't not do it. All right, go ahead. It's been a while, right? Come it's, on. It's, 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 let's get it to the news. All right. Oh boy, uh, I've yes. been pinning that up for yes. two months. It felt good. It, it, it felt, felt good to let it felt out. Like yeah, yeah, you'd been holding that one in for a minute. It was yeah. It's been in there a hot minute. So, <laughs> oh man. All right. So here's what we're gonna do, guys. We wanted to talk about free agency, but we wanted to do it in an interesting way. So we're gonna look at this uh, team by team in a buy or sell sort of segment. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a team, the deals we're gonna buy, and we're gonna sell their NFL free agency. I think it's important to remember during this time that uh, part of a team's off season you know, heavily relies on free agency, but also heavily relies on the NFL draft, which is yet to come. We are still uh, a month away from that. So a lot of teams may, you know, end up having better off seasons than we see right now. Once the draft comes around, some may be worse if the draft doesn't go their way. Uh, But looking at NFL free agency, that's what we're going to do here in the buy or sell idea. Uh, Mitch, anything else with that before we jump in? Uh, no, I think you covered it, man. Okay. Let's let's jump right into it, man. Let's All right, do well, it. Let's start it off at the top, the big one, the number one, the numero uno, the G-O-A-T, the GOAT Tom Brady, leaves New England. He said bye to Bill Belichick. He said, I am good. I like the sun. And where did he go? Florida. Florida man Tom Brady now playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a two-year, uh, I believe, $50 million. $50 million. Yep. All guaranteed, which is incredible. They're paying a 43-year-old quarterback $50 million no matter what happens to his frail old body. Uh, but <laughs> um, what do we— uh, Snake oil, man. Snake oil. He right. I, uh, yeah. When you sell your soul to the devil, 
uh, immortality is what awaits you. So, Mitch, buy or sell the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offseason highlighted by gaining the quarterback services of Tom Brady, along with, uh, you know, a few other moves. What do you think? I am buying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I'm not one of those extremists that goes out and says they're going to the Super Bowl. They might win their division, but they're not going to the Super Bowl, folks. Let's just, they may. Let's just hold up on that assumption, though. Just because Tom Brady is there doesn't mean they're going to the Super Bowl. But it gives them a lot better shot. Is Tom Brady the right fit, though? They need a slot guy. They need a slot guy for him because let's look at this. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both stretch the ball down the field type guys. They don't have that guy that really cuts underneath. I mean, you could look at Brashad Perriman, and he might be a guy that you could look to break out with this team under a Tom Brady arm. But Tom Brady doesn't have the same arm strength that he did five years ago or you know earlier on in his career. Um, I think it's a good fit. I like the pairing of Tom Brady with Bruce Arians. I think those are two personalities that are going to get along well. Um, I also like the signings of Nnamdakin Sue, Shaquille Barrett, and Jason, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, all re-signings except for Shaquille Barrett. He had the, uh, the franchise tag played on him, placed on him. But I'm, I'm buying the Bucs... Uh, offseason I think they got a lot better especially at the quarterback position now they just got to find a home for Jameis Winston um because or let him play behind Tom Brady for a couple years and see if he picks up anything else I believe Uh, he is a free agent so you uh, you believe so yeah I'm pretty sure he's a free agent so he's free to go where they don't really have to worry about uh what happens with him what I I am curious though I don't know if you know but who is there who's the other do they have another quarterback on the team Oh, like who is the backup a, in Tampa Bay? That's a good question. Um, because I'm going to be honest. I mean, Tom Brady may be Tom Brady, but he's still a 43 year old quarterback. You ought to have a, a good backup. Yeah, I mean, but he's not fragile by any means. Like, sure, but like, let's not think that he, we're, we're putting in like a, a glass bones quarterback back there. Yeah, but one one injury and he's not going to recover from that. Right now, Ryan not... Ryan Griffin is the backup quarterback, the only other quarterback on the roster. Oh, there he is. Yep, right there. So, okay. it, so. It may be, and this may be a scenario that I could see where uh, Jameis Winston doesn't have suitors, and they say, listen, come back to Tampa, five five mil, you know, six mil, and back up Tom Brady. You know, you know the system, so if he goes down, if we need to play you, we feel confident, you know, that we have – you know, somebody who's familiar with the system and, and can run the offense. Uh, and maybe that's his redemption. Maybe sitting behind Tom Brady is the best thing that could happen to Jameis. That may actually be a win for him. You, you know, and I think that's the best thing Jameis could do is go play behind Tom Brady and pick his brain for two years. I mean, Jameis, and, Jameis Winston was 30 and 30 last year. Not that he had a 30 for 30 made about him, but he threw 30 <laughs> touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And if you go back and look on the film, there were 26 other instances where interceptions were dropped. So he could have potentially thrown 56 interceptions oh, last year. Well, so, and Tom Brady, one of the best de- decision makers as a passer we've ever seen. So let's go play behind Tom Brady and and learn some things and soak up all the information we can. I think that's the best situation for Jameis Winston. I don't think it's to go somewhere else and start. 
because I don't think he's starting caliber right now. I think he needs to go play behind someone else and have a little bit of a career reemergence after playing behind Tom Brady for two years. Yeah, I agree. Mitch, uh, I'm going to be honest, though. On the whole Tampa Bay free agency, I am going to sell. I'm not uh, I'm not as confident on the Tom Brady thing. And here's what I will say. My one caveat to this is that I think Tampa Bay will be better than they were last year. So I guess if you see improvement, that's a buy, right? Like that's a successful offseason. But we're not talking about just improving your record. You know, getting Tom Brady is making the Super Bowl. Like you don't get well, Tom still Brady seven and nine last to, year, to, be so. to, to be a wild card team, right? Like you get right. Tom Brady to compete for a Super Bowl. And I think at best they're a wild card team. I'm going to say right now, I think nine and seven is what the Bucks will be next year. And maybe – Second year of Tom Brady gets better. Maybe they fix, you know, holes or adjust, you know, the team around him and his skill set and what he is now. But uh, I'm just not as confident in him. I'm not a confident in Tom Brady. And I think we're underplaying the idea of a guy who was in one system with one coach for 20 years suddenly going to another coach and another system, another city, another franchise and just having success immediately. Like I See, think we're, I don't I think we're underplaying the impact of that and I know Tom Brady is smart and I know he's talented but that is a lot to ask of anybody let alone a guy who's 43 years old. So I am just not as confident in this. I still think like I said 9 and 7 that's not a losing record. I don't think it's going to be a horrible year, but I I think wild card at best uh for Tampa Bay in 2020. I I think wild card 10 and 6 and I'll tell you why. Is I, look, I am no. I will be be the first to admit that I tried to desensitize people to Tom Brady's greatness because of uh, how great of a coach I think Bill Belichick is and how awesome I think his system is. But we also forget that Tom Brady played in a Bill Belichick system where Bill Belichick adapted his system to whatever weapons he had available to him. Right. So Tom Brady was in a system that was ever changing to begin with. So sure. if he's going to go to a system that's different now. Tom Brady's been doing it for 20 years already. Yeah, it's not just He's a new system, be... though. No, I mean, a new head coach, and sure, a new way of doing things. It's not a new the franchise. Way. How about a franchise that's not run nearly as well as the New England Patriots are? Like, what about the day-in and day-out things of it? What about training camp? Like, is he going to get in training camp and think, guys, man, they, these guys don't work the way that we do in New England. Like, man, these guys don't aren't as organized as the way they are in New England. Like, that's we also got to remember he's playing with the defense now too because he's always had really good defenses with him. He's playing with a defense that was 32nd in 2018, 2019 they were fifth, and that's under the Todd Bowles defensive system. So he's not coming in without a defense either. Sure. And they just added a bunch of guys back, brought another a bunch of guys back right. that were big parts of that defense. So, like all I'm saying is because he's adjusted to. Bill Belichick constantly evolving his system over the last 20 years to say that him playing in a new system is going to be a new challenge for him. I don't know if that argument fully, it's not that it's not valid, but I don't know if it's the strongest argument against Tom Brady because he's been doing it for 20 years in Bill Belichick's constantly evolving system to begin with. Now the leadership thing is definitely a big thing. It's not the Patriot way. It's not Bill Belichick's way of doing things. Um, but and that's you know how he handles that is yet to be seen. But I I am taking him ten and six in a wild card with Tom Brady. That that's I I think that's probably a, close to best case scenario. 
Okay. All right, Mitch, let's talk about the other team on the other side of this and the New England Patriots. We talked about Bill Belichick. He is one of, if not the greatest coach of all time. And there's always been the argument on whether or not the success in New England had more to do with Bill Belichick or more to do with Tom Brady. And now both both men in this get a chance to prove who was who's right, what the right answer is there. If Tom Brady goes and has success in Tampa Bay, well, then it'll be easy to say uh, Tom Brady was great all along and he could have done it anywhere. Now, if he struggles and New England continues to have success, then we can say it was Bill Belichick. So now New England is stuck with zero money. Uh, their quarterbacks consist of Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Uh, and they still lack weapons on on the offense, especially pass catchers. They still they've lost people in in free agency on the defensive side. Cal Van Noy, Jamie Collins. Uh, how do they replace a lot of the key players that they lost uh, with zero money? Again, <laughs> I I'm not uh, I am hard selling the New England Patriots next year. I I really do think Mitch that if they went eight and eight they would be pretty solid. That would be a successful year for them. And now the the draft could potentially tr- change that, you know, depending on maybe what a qu- if they get a quarterback or with some of the quarterbacks available if they end up signing another one. But as of right now, today, March 30th, I am selling on the Patriots and I'm not excited uh, for them in, in, a football, in football terms for next season. You know, this will be a real test to see – who was the biggest attribute to the New England Patriots over the last 20 years? Was it Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? And I honestly believe it was it was a little bit of both. But the last time we saw Bill Belichick in a head coach situation without Tom Brady, and I'm not counting the 24 hours he was the head coach of the New York Jets, he was under 500 and then building a winner with the Cleveland Browns before they decided to pack up and move to Baltimore. So Belichick needs to build. I don't know if he if time is on his side right now to build. And that's why I'm going to hard sell on New England as well. I don't think he has enough time really to build the team that he wants. I mean, he could coach until he's 80. I think he's in fine shape. I think he could probably do it. He could be like um, Don Shula was and coach well, you know, well past his prime and, and, and be a successful head coach. I just don't think that right now what he has is a winning formula, especially with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer in the quarterback spots. I, I, that there's That's just not a winning combination. And you saw no other big additions as far as weapons. Their biggest wide receiver signing so far is Damir Bird, and I've never heard of the guy before. So I, I guess you could say Matthew Slater, but he's more of a special teamer. So it's it doesn't add up as far as a winning formula. Eight and eight seems right. I think it's harsh to say that's best case scenario because it is Bill Belichick and we haven't seen him without Tom Brady in 20 years. But I I, I am selling on the New England Patriots. I think if you can't bring back your superstar, then, then you're in for a rough go of it the year after. If the Patriots were to sign one of the veteran quarterbacks that is available or at least potentially available, uh, so I'm talking Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett. I'm going to include him here. I'm also going to include Andy Dalton. Uh, as we know, the Bengals will most likely draft Joe Burrow, making Dalton available with Rivers to the Colts. Brissett, in theory, could be available. 
uh, or any other number of veteran quarterbacks, I guess you want to add in there. Uh, if they could, if they were to add one, who would you like them to go after? Who would you like to see them go after? Andy Dalton. Andy. Okay. I am a hundred percent on board with this. Yeah. I, I like think, Andy Dalton. He, I, he's the best fit. He's the best fit. I, I think, I think Andy Dalton, you could, I would not be shocked if the Andy Dalton led Patriots next year went like 10 and six. You know, in a wild card, and, and maybe I, I that wins that the division. Card. I mean, I know Buffalo was ten and six last year, but I mean, ten and six, you're at least competing for the division lead. Like, I, I think that that could be possible for New England. I don't think they're gonna go to a Super Bowl or contend for a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, but they could be a playoff team. So it'll be curious to see if they go for a guy like that that could put them in the playoffs again, or if they'll like you know, go the full rebuild and give Stidham the job or draft a uh, quarterback this year and have a, you know, quarterback competition between some young guys and figure out who the next franchise QB is. It'll be curious to see, but uh, there are options on the veteran QB market if they were to go after that and wanted to make a run uh, at the playoffs again. There, there are two that make the most sense to me. One is Andy Dalton and the other is Jameis Winston. Really? And a lot of people are going to go, you know, well, he just came off a 30 interception season. How could he be a logical pick to start for Bill Belichick's New England Patriots? It's because Bill Belichick doesn't push the ball down the field a whole lot. He's a lot of nickel and dime it, a lot of field general type stuff, which I think Jameis Winston at is a pretty good field general when you don't have him push the ball 40 yards down the field every time he drops back. Um, we saw him do it at Florida State. When he wasn't pushing the ball down the field all the time, he was a pretty successful quarterback. I think he still has that capability. And maybe being under a guy like Bill Belichick and working with Josh McDaniels, maybe that's maybe that's what he needs. And I so I I those are the two best fit. I would like to see Andy Dalton over Winston, but I think Jameis Winston is a fine fit there. I don't like the Cam Newton fit. I just I just I don't think it's um I don't think it's going to be beneficial for Cam to go there. I don't think it's beneficial for the Patriots for him to be there. Um, I think there's just better fits for Cam elsewhere. Okay. All right, Mitch, let's talk about the other big-name veteran QB that switched teams after a long time with the franchise. Philip Rivers and his 24 children are jumping in an RV, and they're driving it all the way to Indianapolis because he has signed uh, and joined the Indianapolis Colts on, uh, I believe, also a two-year $50 million deal, correct? Um, no, one year, 25. That, that is, you're, you're absolutely right. Breeze signed a two year 50, I think as well. Rivers, the one year 25 mil. So the Colts get, uh, a, a, an improvement at quarterback over Jacoby Brissett. They also make a move with the 49ers for DeForest Buckner trading their first round pick number 13 overall for an, uh, a pro bowl defensive tackle a guy that's going to wreak havoc in the middle uh put pressure on QBs that they're going to have to face in the AFC like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. There are some talented QBs there and DeForest Buckner is going to help that a lot. Uh when you look at the Colts Mitch, to me this is a 100% I am buying the offseason for the Colts. I think they made all the right moves as they have by the way over the last couple years, they have just had some very solid off seasons coupled with very successful drafts. Uh, they bring in Castanozo, Ca- Castanzo, Castanzo. I'm just saying this again, Mitch. They bring in Castanzo, the offensive tackle. They bring in Xavier Rhodes on a one year deal 
you know, coming over from Minnesota after some disappointing seasons, a chance to maybe rebrand himself. I'm hard. I, I am a hundred percent on board with the Colts. And I believe that they are one of, they're going to be one of next year, one of the three best teams in the AFC. Mm. So a three seed. Now they still have to go through the wild card round. Under yes. The new format, but I correct? think it's chiefs Ravens Colts in my mind. Mm, okay. Yeah, I I'm gonna buy the Colts as well. Um, I think the DeForest Buckner thing is the that's the big one over Philip Rivers. Yes. Um, because of for fortifying that interior defensive line is such a key thing, no matter who the team is. Um, adding DeForest Buckner in the middle, big addition, and then they also help out the secondary. Xavier Rhodes, I know Rhodes, I know he's aging but he's still a very solid defensive back. Um, and then you sign a guy like Phillip Rivers, who still has some arm talent. It's not where it was, obviously, right? A lot of these guys that got signed this offseason or re-signed this offseason are in the twilight years of their career. Guys like Breeze, like Brady, like Rivers, um, who maybe don't have a whole lot of years left. But when you add guys like Anthony Costanzo, and LaRaven Clark re-signing um, back. You have those guys that can protect a guy who's never been really mobile to begin with. He's a pocket passer. Um, and you get Rivers. I think they need one more weapon for him to really be uh, a true uh, a true weapon in the pocket. I think they need one more guy outside of T.Y. Hilton. Darius Slayton could make the big... Um, the big jump this year as well we saw a lot of promise out of him in his rookie year but uh i i'm buying i'm buying the colts offseason definitely yeah and i think uh the colts you know this is one of the deepest wide receiver drafts ever and so to find a solid wide receiver option in the second or even third round is going to be uh very likely for the indianapolis colts so they have the ability to add a number two wide receiver in the draft without using that first round pick and instead using that first round pick on DeForest Buckner. So, I mean, which makes it seem a heck of a lot smarter. Exactly. So, I mean, they're thinking about this the right way. And I think that's why I have the most confidence in them because rivers has never (laughs) rivers doesn't ever have time. I mean, and he never has been protected the way that he needs to. Indianapolis has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I mean, anchored by Quentin Nelson, who is just fantastic. And so with Rivers having time, weapons around him, they have talent at the running back uh, position. They have T.Y. Hilton, like you said, the addition of another guy there. Uh, This has the makings of a really competitive team and a really good defense as well. Uh, An underrated defense with the Colts. And so, uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very high on on Indianapolis. And like I said, I I believe that they're going to be a top three team in the AFC next year. Uh, so Mitch, let's talk about another division rival here. We had the Colts make big moves. The Houston Texans also made big moves, but not quite, uh, the moves you would want to see them make. If you are a fan of the franchise, they trade away Deandre Hopkins. Yes, that Deandre Hopkins. And this is what they got for him. David Johnson and his $11 million contract that Arizona would have begged somebody to get off of a second round pick, a fourth round pick, and then they also had to throw in their own fourth round pick 
as a sweetener. So essentially a second and David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. Mitch, uh, Bill O'Brien should be fired immediately. He should be um, fired immediately. The Houston Texans, uh, they set themselves back years, I believe. This is horrible. And, and, and what do you do if you're Deshaun Watson? Do you want to re-sign with this franchise? Like, I have no, if I'm, if I'm like, you're going to trade away Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins, you're not even going to get anything for them. And then you expect me to just like, just stick around and think you guys are going to figure this out. I would be so out of there if I'm Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, I got a couple additions to the uh, pit of misery this week, Um, but we might as well just jump into the first one. Um, Bill O'Brien. Going yes. into the pit of misery. Yes. Um, I'm a dilly, fan. dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. You are going into the pit of misery, Bill O'Brien, because you know, there's one guy that can be a GM and a head coach, and his name's Bill Belichick. And if your name's not Bill Belichick, you can't be a head coach and a GM. You just can't. Um, now, that being said, do I think Deshaun Watson and David Johnson? could potentially, I'm saying potentially, be a little bit of a, shoot, I don't know, a Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, light edition. Like, have the same sort of connection with each other, but on a much smaller scale? Sure. But David Johnson's best years are behind him. He's, what, 28, 29 years old. So he doesn't have a whole lot of great years left. The best thing you could do at wide receiver, other than bring back Amari Cooper, which you put the franchise tag on, is is add Randall Cobb, who is a special teamer extraordinaire, but a very middle-of-the-road, lower-tier slot wide receiver. I, I just don't see how the Houston Texans got any better than they where they were last year. They I didn't. just don't I think see that's how the they, answer. They just didn't. I, it was a very lateral move with some of the stuff, and you give up your biggest weapon. So, um, yeah, I'm selling hard. Selling hard. This team could be under 500 for all I know. And it sucks, and I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. I think that's what makes me the most upset about this, is he is a fantastic young quarterback, and when you have a guy like him under contract and you're not paying him top market money like they eventually will have to do, you have to take advantage of that window by collecting the most amount of talent that you can around him. Like like DeAndre Hopkins. Like, how about this? Here's an easy rule for a GM. Don't trade a top three wide receiver. How about that? And and if you're going to do it, don't trade him and not get a first-round pick out of it. Because there have been worse wide receivers traded and gotten in return a a first-round pick, like Percy Harvin, like Brandon Cooks, twice. Like, a guy got traded twice in a span of, like, a year, and each time was for a first-round pick. And DeAndre Hopkins gets a second. It's crazy, Mitch. It's crazy. And I, again, if I'm Deshaun Watson, what has Houston shown you that wants you, that that makes you want to stick around? This team is not trending in the right direction. 
No. They're they're trending towards relocation. I mean, <laughs> let's be well, honest. They're they're trending towards a rebuild. And when well, you have a, rook, a a quarterback on a rookie, a Pro Bowl quarterback on a rookie contract, you should not be rebuilding. You should be winning. You should be contending. And that is something the Houston Texans are not doing. And yes, they've or been at a the very team, least, but they haven't been him. a good one. I mean, at the very least, building around them. I Exa- mean, exactly. And they're and tearing the, down around them. I mean, and I, listen, like I I like the Laramie Tunsil trade. I like the idea of the Laramie Tunsil trade, but they give up two first round picks. That's and then they trade it. away Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins is going to get zero in return. So, yes, you made a move to shore up the offensive line for your quarterback. That's positive. But you overpaid for that guy and you undersold your other assets. I mean, it's horrible management of a roster, of, of cap, of draft assets. Uh, and now the future does not look bright for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I'm just I, I this this baffles. It baffled me. It really baffled me, and I feel horrible for Deshaun Watson. But Mitch, it's easy. These are it's a sell on the Texans, hard sell. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. Hard sell. All right, let's talk about the other team in this trade, who is the Arizona Cardinals, who got off a uh, an expensive contract for uh, a running back who did not deserve that amount of money in David Johnson. In return, they pay a million dollars more for DeAndre Hopkins, who now gets into an offense with Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald. This Christian is this Kirk. is a, Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, who didn't have a great year last year, but they did spend a second round pick on him. Uh, there are some weapons in this offense. I think Arizona in the draft has a potential to add a running back, a young running back to compete with or carry the load with Kenyon Drake. This could be a very good offense next year. Arizona might not be fantastic, but I am buying the offseason. And anytime that you can add a top-tier wide receiver as a weapon for your young quarterback, that is a successful move in my mind, especially when you pay the price that they did, which is very little. You know, every year we talk about the Seattle Seahawks and how, like, in their division, like, yeah, they're going 7-9, and nine, they're missing the playoffs, right? And then somehow they pull out a 10-6 and six year and make the playoffs. This might finally be the year, and this is how much I'm buying the Arizona Cardinals right now. This might be the year that Seattle gets left out of the playoffs because Arizona is that much better. I am buy. I spend every penny on the Arizona Cardinals. Every penny I got, I'm spending on the Arizona Cardinals because now you've given Kyler Murray, a guy that's shown a lot of improvement over the course of the season last year. You give him a top-tier weapon. Kenyon Drake showed that he could be a top-tier running back when in the right system. He's got he's got the the above average defense. He's he has Kyler Murray has all the weapons in his in his arsenal with his legs and his arms. This team just got a heck of a lot better by simply adding one guy. All they had to do was add one big weapon. And then you couple him with a young Christian Kirk. You said Andy Isabella. Um, you have the veteran presence of Larry Fitzgerald, who's only probably going to be there another year. I don't think he plays past this year. But you add all those things together, Arizona looks like a pretty competent team. And I think a team that could make a playoff run if every if all the chips fall in their place. 
I like the Arizona Cardinals offseason. I like the Arizona Cardinals going into 2020. I'm buying all the Cardinals right now. Great. Mitch, I uh I I believe that the NFC West is going to have all four teams over or at 500 next year. Mm, I don't know if I buy that. I don't know I if am, I buy that. I'm, I I'm not a big it. fan of the Rams. Not a big fan of the Rams, but you think the Rams would go under 500? 7 and 9. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that would be really disappointing if they did. I think well, last year every was team at the, too, but well, yeah, but they went nine and seven. That was their disappointment. Like they still in the new format, they're a playoff team. They'd have been the seven. Sure. Team. I guess, I guess, yeah. Taking that into account. Yeah. You're, you're correct. But which you're is, correct. I mean, it just shows, you know, they obviously won the Super Bowl the, or they went to the Super Bowl the year before. So like I've, to go from a Super Bowl to nine and seven is, is a disappointment. And it felt worse, I think, than it really was for the Rams last year. And I think Arizona could easily be eight and eight. I think every team in the division could be eight and eight at least. I think all teams are going to be over 500 in the NFC West. It is the best division in football right now uh, going into next year. And I, I was high on Kyler Murray in Arizona before they did the DeAndre Hopkins trade. You know, and now when you add that piece, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm buying all over this. Mitch, let's talk about another team who made a trade for a number one wide receiver to help their young quarterback, and that is the Buffalo Bills, who went out and they got Stephon Diggs for, I believe, a first, uh, what was it, like a third and a fourth or like a second and a fourth. I don't remember exactly what it was. They traded, so the deal was with the Vikings. They sent Stephon Diggs and a seventh round over to Buffalo in exchange for a first, fifth, sixth, and 2021 20, fourth. Great. Okay. So I I am I'm good with this trade. I think it's a I think it's a good trade. I think you need to have a number one wide receiver. And I think a lot of times teams fall short in the playoffs because they don't have a number one receiver. And it doesn't have to be a wide receiver, by the way. It could be a tight end. Look at the Niners, right? Look at the Patriots and Gronkowski. Like, sometimes it's a tight end, and that can work in and of itself. But you have to have a number one guy. Buffalo now has that in Stephon Diggs. You couple that with some great other wide receivers in John Brown, Cole Beasley, uh, improved year from Josh Allen, potentially Devin Singletary coming into his own in his second year, uh, and some solid moves across the board. Like listen to some of these, these are all mid tier moves for Buffalo, but Mario Addison for $30 million on a three year. He had 10 sacks last year. That's a great, that's a great move. Josh Norman on a one-year deal, chance to prove himself. Uh, Quinton Spann to shore up the uh, – resigning him to keep the offensive line together. I know they added A.J. Klein from New Orleans, solid linebacker. They made some really solid moves to shore up depth, uh, to improve at positions of need, and then they made a big move for a number one wide receiver. And, Mitch, I'm I'm high on the Bills, and I, I, I think they should be the favorite in the AFC East – uh, easily next year. If if I'm any team in the AFC East after Tom Brady leaves, I'm licking my chops. I'm like, oh, okay, the beast is gone. It's it's time to make the move now. And I think the Bills did the right thing by getting Josh Allen a big weapon in Stephon Diggs because let's be honest, he had a good wide receiver core around him. Right, but it wasn't. It was a lot of like run and shoot kind of small shifty guys. They didn't have the big deep threat. They didn't have yeah, the red zone target. And now they, yeah, they have also that. didn't have like the guy, you know, you got to have a guy that you go to 
when the game's exactly. on the line, who are you looking yes. for? And Josh Allen didn't have a guy like that last year. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And now he does. He has the guy. The guy that can get, you know, eight, nine catches for you a game on a on a good year. So I love I love the addition of Stephon Diggs. Um I love the Buffalo Bills going this year. I think they are the favorite to win the East. Um and I think that eleven and five is a pretty conservative like it sounds weird to say that eleven and five is conservative, but I think that is. Like they looking at the be rest of the division. That. They could be they better really than could. that. And I and I think that with the with a lot of the defense staying intact, this defense is still pretty good. Oh, this defense um, obviously very we're good. gonna we're obviously we're gonna have Devin Singletary a second year of him coming back. So uh, I I I am very excited. Uh, and even adding uh, or re-adding, re-signing uh, Quentin Spain back to the offensive line uh, to to block for Josh Allen. This is a good team. This is a very good team, and I'm excited to see what Buffalo does. They were they were one of my uh, feel-good favorite picks going into last year's playoffs. Obviously, they fell short, um, but uh, and not by much. They didn't fall short yeah. by much. So uh, I like Buffalo. I really like Buffalo. Yeah, we're gonna rekindle a little bit of that early '90s magic, maybe. Yeah, well, and I, I, I think Sean McDermott's done a hell of a job. Uh, he's created oh, a yeah. really, really good team. A team that you can tell, like people want to play for. People that used to not want to play for the Buffalo Bills. Now you got guys like Stefan Diggs who probably isn't complaining about getting traded to Buffalo. Now you have free agents coming over. And looking at this like, hey, this is a place I want to be. Look at what Micah Hyde was last year. Comes over and all he has is positive things to say. Really had a fantastic year. Uh, Great culture and, in Buffalo. Great culture. Right, and, th- and that's what they've created. That's what Sean McDermott has done. And that's why I think I believe so much in them. I understand the shortfalls of Josh Allen. And a lot of this hinges on his improvement next season. But with as good of a defense as they had and a good of a head coach as they have in Sean McDermott, I'm confident in not only them making the playoffs, but this could be a sneaky good team that could make it to an AFC championship game that could beat some really good teams, you know, with the right formula of defense and, you know, uh, like, like a Tennessee last year, just a right combination of things going well uh, in order to, you know, make a run. I, I think Buffalo could do that. Yeah, big arm guy with a with a with a deep threat. What could be better? What exactly. could be better? Now with Buffalo, they had a lot of signings of Carol ex Carolina Panthers. They're they're affectionately called Carolina North uh, to a lot of Panthers fans because not only is the GM and the coach from Carolina, but like half the roster is also from Carolina, and some of the moves reflect that this offseason. So, Mitch, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this was a this was a weird. I mean, as you guys have heard me talk about on here, Luke Keekley's gone, Greg Olson is gone, Ron Rivera's gone, Cam Newton is gone, and the team is just not what it was before. Uh, here are some of the moves that they made. Uh, they signed Teddy Bridgewater, the three-year $63 million contract. It's essentially a two-year deal. Uh, first year fully guaranteed, second year partially guaranteed. Robbie Anderson on a two-year $20 million deal. They trade for Russell Okung. They signed P.J. Walker from the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL, the star of the XFL to come compete uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, they are in an interesting spot, Mitch, and I want to know your opinion. Are you buying or selling the offseason for the Carolina Panthers? I am so down the middle 
with the Carolina Panthers. And it only and it's only because of the quarterback situation. Because part of me, like the logical side of me wants to say, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback in Carolina. And I like that fit. I like it a lot. I think as a Carolina Panthers fan, you should be excited about Teddy Bridgewater being the guy that secedes Cam Newton. But I got a lot of love for P.J. Walker. Like, a lot of love. And I'm excited to see what this guy is able to do back on an NFL roster. Uh, If you don't know, he was an Indianapolis Colt um, not that long ago, only a few years ago. He was playing behind Andrew Luck. Um, and it was a practice squad guy for the Indianapolis Colts. The Robbie Anderson thing, if he can if he can stay out of trouble with the law, yeah, that's a great signing. He's got a ton of talent. Uh, Russell Kung coming over. Great, uh, great addition there. I'm just very in the middle with Carolina with Carolina. I don't know if I could fully sell or buy just yet. I feel like there's more moves to come for Carolina. I think there's more moves to come that's going to make that's going to sway me either way. I think that's the hard thing with Carolina is you know that the moves this season don't reflect necessarily the full direction of the team, right? Because we don't know what they're going to be. There's a brand new head coach, a first-year head coach. Obviously, they're moving on some from some franchise icons and specifically at the quarterback position. And the Bridgewater deal, yes, it's good money, $20 million a year, but that's like 14th among quarterbacks. Like he's not getting paid top-tier money. You're paying for a, uh, a mid-tier guy, send maybe a top-half guy, but you haven't committed a ton to Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I'm, I am buying with hesitancy the Carolina Panthers free agency. I like the Teddy Bridgewater signing because a competent quarterback is better than an incompetent quarterback. And I think what the Dolphins proved to me last year is that you shouldn't just tank. You shouldn't just suck and lose and win two games. Like, that is not the way you should do it. I think what the Dolphins did last year was they only won five games. It's not like they were fantastic, but they had a great second half. They showed fight they started to build a culture they started to build a belief they started to figure out who their good players are and who aren't and now they can move forward this year improving upon that we'll talk about Miami in a, in a bit but you know improving upon that building a foundation for when they ultimately find their QB and then they're ready to move forward with that guy Carolina doesn't have that QB right now and Teddy Bridgewater I don't think that they think that Teddy Bridgewater is that guy but they've put themselves in a position that if that guy comes next year uh, in the draft, if they end up with the, with the top pick or the year after, if Teddy Bridgewater emerges and, and plays way better than expected, well, now you're paying him a bargain for top-tier quarterback play. You've surrounded whatever quarterback you have with a ton of speed. They have one of the fastest wide receiver groups, probably just behind Kansas City, uh, with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, uh, they're Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this could be a really interesting team that's obviously going through some changes and a, a development. But I appreciate that they didn't just strip it all down and sell it for parts. That they're stri- they're trying to maintain 
a sense of order and a system in place and figure out what pieces fit right before they ultimately find their franchise quarterback. So I'm buying, but I'm hesitant because I don't know what the future looks like. You know, I, I think on a, on a top five list I did a while back, top five best backup quarterbacks of all time. I talked about a guy named Earl Morrill who wound up being number one on my list. Um, and now he backed up all these great quarterbacks and how he just seemed to be a very good bridge quarterback and kind of get the job done when it was asked of him. Teddy Bridgewater seems like that guy. Like he is your best case scenario for a bridge quarterback, no pun intended with the name Bridgewater. <laughs> but he is the quintessential bridge quarterback. Like he's going to be just good enough for you. Now he went five and zero with the Saints, and he was fantastic with the Saints last year before uh, Drew Brees came back. But it, that seems like that's what Carolina is going with, even with the big fat contract, the three year sixty. Which good for him, Teddy Bridgewater should be paid like a starting quarterback because he's a borderline starting quarterback, just like Earl Morrill was. But he's not quite starting caliber yet, and I th- and I think you're dead you're dead on when you say like. They're signing this guy, they're signing Teddy to kind of this deal and almost like in hopes that the next guy is coming in the near future. Almost like they know something. Well, and here's the thing too. Like if if all Teddy Bridgewater is, let's say it doesn't work out, then they paid a guy $33 million for two years and he wasn't the guy. Like that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. No, like you didn't invest a ton of money into a guy for two years of play like and maybe it ends up being 40 million for the two but still I mean that's you're not wasting money if he's not the guy you're getting a bargain if he is and if he's at the best a bridge quarterback well then fine nothing wrong with that you were able to stay competent while you found your quarterback of the future great so that's why I'm buying but I'm hesitant because I don't know the direction of the team now Mitch let's talk about your team the Chicago Bears whose big deal in this free agency was to trade for our favorite big dick nick he comes from the jacksonville jaguars in exchange for a fourth round pick now there is quarterback controversy quarterback competition in the shy city they also uh paid jimmy graham 16 million dollars for two years uh they make a couple moves robert quinn danny trevathan uh, Artie burns some solid moves I think around, but let's start with Nick Foles and let me ask you, Mitch, are you buying or selling your bears NFL free agency? It pains me to say this, but I'm selling it. Really? I'm selling it. Just look, you had, you had so many better options at quarterback. You knew it was Teddy Bridgewater was signed with the Panthers. You knew Cam Newton is available. He chose, by the way, Bridgewater chose Carolina over New England. Those were his final two. Like, and he but, chose, he chose Carolina because of Joe Brady. So, not to say the Bears didn't go after him, but ultimately he wanted to be in Carolina. It's not. It's not the. It's not the Bridgewater thing. It's the Cam Newton thing. Like so we you had really, a sh- you really think that Cam Newton would be a better option than Nick Foles? Because I'm yes! honest, as a yes! Cam Newton fan, I'm yes! not quite sure that I agree with that. Oh my I god! Don't... 
Look at the guy's regular season. Yeah, he's great down the stretch. He's he's big dick Nick. He's clutch. But what's his what has he done as a starting quarterback during the regular season? Nothing. Well, he's okay, done so nothing. Here's here's the thing, Mitch. We I would take a, to, I would take a guy that's hobbled over the last two years that still has a ton of arm talent over Nick Foles. I think with Nick Foles, you have to look at him post. Basically, from the Super Bowl Eagles team on, because anything that happened before that was a different Nick Foles. What we know, but even during that regular season, he wasn't that good. The guy who did that, well, he played like two games. So there's that. Jacksonville, he played like two games. So health is an issue, and you rightfully so to be worried about signing, you know, trading for a guy with all that money and health issues. But as far as competing with the quarterback you have now, uh. Are you at least happy to have another option other than Mitchell Trubisky, or is oh, it just well, that you think there were better options available? There, there were better. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me rephrase this. There were better options available. Okay. But anything right now is better than Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. So anything. you're happy to have a better quarterback, at least someone but you to think compete. You could have had uh, an even better choice. I, yeah. I yeah. I think we could have had a better choice. Um, okay. Look, I mean, Nick Foles is a fine quarterback. But when you have options like Cam Newton, when you have options like Andy Dalton, who I would have loved to see Andy Dalton in Chicago. Would have loved it. Me too. But we probably could have got him for a fourth. It almost too, feels like they so. settled. Almost feels like they settled. And then you go out and then you go out and you get a washed up Jimmy Graham. Yeah, the Jimmy Graham's indefensible. That's Jimmy Graham, soggy Graham cracker Jimmy Graham. <laughs> For two years, sixteen mil, you're paying the guy eight mil a year to do nothing. What's he gonna do? Nothing. He all he has ever been since New Orleans is a red zone threat. That's it. And it's not even because he's a good receiver, it's because he's tall. It's just because he's tall. That's it. it that, that's it. That's it. That's it. I'm going to say it again because I want to drive this home. That's it. It's just because he's tall. It's not because he's a good receiver. It's because he happens to be tall. And you spend two years, $60 million on him. Nine mil guaranteed with a no trade clause. Foolish. Yeah, the Jimmy Graham's indefensible. That's for sure. Um, the Foles thing is interesting though, Mitch, because they made that move pretty early on in free agency. So I'm not going to, I, I disagree that they settled. They clearly wanted this guy. I mean, they could have waited. Cam Newton was still on the Panthers at that point. They could have waited to see if he got released. They could, Tom Brady wasn't on a team yet. They could have waited to see, you know, where he went and how, and well, no, but I mean, you know, Tom Brady affects other things. If he doesn't go somewhere else, well, now maybe another guy's available, right? If he stays in New England, maybe now it changes the market. Maybe Jameis isn't available because Tampa Bay brings him back. That's what I'm saying. Not that they would get Tom Brady, but there were dominoes to be moved still in the quarterback, uh, in the pool of quarterbacks. And they made that move pretty early on. So clearly they believe in Nick Foles and they wanted Nick Foles. And I, I got to say, great for Chicago for for getting their guy. I, I understand your skepticism. I am buying because I think that Nick Foles will be better than Mitchell Trubisky. And what Mitchell Trubisky and this Bears team showed two years ago is that an average quarterback in this great defense could go to the playoffs and win 13 games. A good quarterback like Nick Foles playing good 
and better than Trubisky and the great defense could win 12 or 13 games, but actually maybe do something in the playoffs where Nick Foles has had success. So I, I buy it because it is an improvement. Now, is it the long-term solution? Is it the best move they could have made? Who knows? Maybe, maybe we can't say that yet. It's probably not the best move they could have made, but I, I don't hate it. And I think it's a move in the right direction. So I'm buying and you're selling on your bears. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, you got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my bears, but with just the, the free agency moves, I have to sell. I just, I can't be bought. I'm starting to sound like a Eagles fan or, or a downtrodden <laughs> Cubs fan pre nine, pre 2016. You, you know, you know, you just see these things and you're like, man, like, I feel like we could have done better than Nick Foles. I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not disap I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm very mad at the Jimmy Graham move. Like that's yeah. just, that's absurd, bad. but we could have done better. Than Nick Foles, guys. It's a. It's just like wait, maybe wait a little bit. Perhaps you know. Wait, Perhaps. Tampa Bay waited a whole other week before they got Tom Brady. Yeah, why but they also we were in the running for Tom Brady. <laughs> no, but like, if, I'm not saying like I'm not saying we would have gotten Brady. We wouldn't have gotten Brady. There's just no chance he's coming to Chicago. Like I, I think you'd be, I think you'd be insane to think that Chicago is possible. I saw articles with. Chicago as one of the one of the teams that he could possibly come to. And I was like, you guys are crazy. Get out of here. Stop. Stop with the Tom Brady Chicago stuff. Don't even mention it because there's other stuff that's he, there's only other places he could go that's better than Chicago right now. Because Chicago has no weapons. They ha they have Allen Robinson and that's about it. So they have better weapons than the Patriots did last year. Well, anyone has better I think so. weapons than the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots right. don't have weapons. Period. <laughs> but. I just think we could have gotten better than Nick Foles. Okay. I th and, I, and I think we really could have had a shot at Cam had we just waited a little bit. Sure. But and maybe maybe Cam would be the better move, and maybe he isn't. I don't. I mean, I don't really know. We'll, it remains to be seen. I will say this about the Robert Quinn. I've seen some criticism because it's a five-year, $70 million deal. Only 30 of that is guaranteed. So it's probably like a two-year, $30 million deal, which is not a terrible deal. You know, if no. he sucks, if he's not what he paid for, then – you didn't you didn't waste that much money. You didn't uh, lock yourself into some abhorrent contract. I've seen people criticize that, but I, I'm like the way that's structured. They're they're not really tied up for that for much at all. So I, I'm not worried about that. If he turns out to be great, then it's a great deal. If he doesn't, you cut him. It, it, they don't get punished too much for that. No, I I think that's a great that's a great uh, replacement for Leonard Floyd. Exactly. Uh, right. And and I and I like that signing. And I really, I, honestly, the best signing I like is Jermaine Effetti because I think we need to solidify the offensive line. So, um, yeah, th there are signings I like. Jimmy Graham, inexcusable. Nick Foles think we could have done better. So. Okay. All right, Mitch. Let's uh, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, and uh, okay, the team that I mentioned before as a team that's trending in the right direction. I'm very high on the future. For Miami and they still have a question at the quarterback position but they did uh, add some solid pieces to their team in this offseason just to name a few here they got Byron Jones uh, five years 82 million dollars with 54.5 million guaranteed they signed Shaq Lawson to a three-year 30 million dollar deal they signed Emmanuel Ogba to a two-year 15 million dollar deal they bring in Kyle Van Noy 
they shored up the defense a ton. Uh, I think they still need weapons on the offensive side. I think obviously running back is a is a hole, but we're looking at a team right now whose offseason is incomplete because they do have three first round picks, including the number five pick. It's most likely that they'll draft a quarterback. It's highly likely that that quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa, and if they want to trade up to guarantee that they get him, they are the team with the most assets to be able to do that over a team like the Chargers or potentially another team that wants to make that move to maybe number three or number four. So I think it's hard to judge Miami completely because the draft and what they do to address the quarterback and what running back and wide receiver positions, in my opinion, are vital to how their draft uh, should go come April 23rd. But I am buying the offseason because I like the veteran moves they made on the defensive side. I like some of the uh, depth moves that they made. And if they nail the draft, I think that Miami could be a sleepy, a sneaky good team, like a 9-7 and seven team next year. I really believe that if they nail the draft. Yeah, 9-7 and seven might be a little bit hopeful for me. A little bit hopeful. But they obviously went into the offseason... Because Brian Flores is there, defensive-minded guy, solidify the defense. And I like the signings. Van Noy, Ogba, um, Lawson, uh, who was it? Byron Jones. Byron, and, and you're pairing him with Xavier Howard, by the way. That's got to be the two, the best very, cornerbacks, very, one, two in the entire league. Well, I don't know if they're one, two in the entire league, but they're definitely a top 10 pair. That's for I mean, sure. you've got to, I mean, you, uh, who else? I mean, I'd maybe put Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters from Baltimore against them. Darius Slay. Well, who else is on the, what, Ronald Darby? Is that, that the two there? Ronald I'm talking about one-two punch. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, one-two one, punch. Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's probably right up there. That's probably right up there. One, two, or three. Definitely. This team's got a, this team is trending in the right direction. And I think, if, I think in any rebuild, your best bet is to rebuild the defense first before you go get the offense. A hundred percent, Mitch. That is exact. Because guess what helps a young quarterback the most? Good not defense. being on the field all the damn time. How yeah. about not trailing in games all the damn and not time? Only that, like, that not helps only a lot. That, but they go get Eric Flowers as an off the offensive tackle signed to a three-year, $30 million deal um, with – uh, 19.95 million guaranteed which is weird i don't know why they just didn't round up to 20 what's what's the extra 50 grand to them but you know that that that's just you know by the wayside if you're doing any sort of rebuild it has to be defense first and i think that's the best way to do it brian flores a defensive-minded guy went and did that and like you said the three first round picks they have plenty of time to rebuild one of them is going to be a quarterback um, you think it's Tua, um, and I would have to probably agree with you. I think it's probably going to be Tua. Now, I don't think Tua is going to be the most successful quarterback out of this draft, but I'm buying the I'm buying the Dolphins off season. I really like the direction. Excuse me the yeah. the the direction they're headed. Um. And they need to solidify the running back position next. They need to go get that. I think they can get that in the second round. I think get that late I first. They can get um, that in the first. And guys like DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor, you know, whoever it is that they're looking for. But I, they have yeah. two later 
first round picks that could easily be used on one of those guys pairing with, you know, what potentially could be a, a quarterback and, you know, who uh, offensive line that they honest, could address. I mean, I mean, they have options. They have a ton of options. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, let's be honest. Caitlin Bellage and Jordan Howard are not the answer. So no, they're going to they have know to. that. You know, they know it, it, it appears based on their moves that they're saving the running back position for the draft to address that in the draft, along with quarterback, because they didn't make a move there. And they could have brought in a number of guys, but they stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will be a great backup and mentor to whoever they bring in. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just I feel really solid. And like I said, if they nail the draft, I you know, I, I'm feeling really solid about Miami next year. I really am. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And again, we talked about this with Buffalo, but now that New England is in the position that they are, if you're an AFC East team, you should be licking your chops. And if I'm Miami, I'm I'm thinking, why can't it be us? You know, if we get our franchise quarterback in this draft, if we get these pieces, why can't it be us this year? You know, that's that's my mindset if I'm Miami. And I think they really believe that. I think Brian Flores believes that. And I think that they could be pretty competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I just love the defensive rebuild and I love, I love it when teams start defensively. Yeah. Because no, like, great point. Great point. You, you know, you could score 10 points a game, but what if the team that you're playing only scores seven a game? You're winning those games. So let's start with well, the defense. Yeah. Defense wins and, championships. And look at the bears a couple years ago. I know it wasn't the most successful season once it came to the playoffs, but they were 13-3 and three on the back of an excellent defense that didn't ask Mitchell Trubisky to do too much. And when that was the case, he had the most success. Exactly. So you're going to have – you're going to set up your quarterback for the most success when they have to do the least. And that's uh, what Miami is hopefully trying to set up for their future franchise quarterback. Mitch, let's talk about another young quarterback that gained uh, some help this offseason. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns here. So Cleveland mm. made a number of moves highlighted most by the agreement with Jack Conklin, a right tackle from Tennessee, three years, $42 million uh, with uh, the Browns. The biggest question for this team has been offensive line. And you feel a lot better about that with where they're at in the draft, tons of left tackles available. They could shore up offensive line real quick with their, uh, with between the draft and, and, and adding Jeff, Jack Conklin. They also signed Austin Hooper to a four-year, $42 million deal. Another weapon in the offense. Uh, they're going to most likely bring back Kareem Hunt. They add Carl Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, Kevin Johnson, solid pieces there. And this underrated move, Mitch, Case Keenum as a backup on a three-year, $18 million deal, only $10 million guaranteed, that is a competent backup quarterback. And I'm, I, I, I think that's underrated. The idea of having a competent, a competent backup quarterback is super underrated, especially with Baker Mayfield. And if he gets injured, I would feel fairly confident that Case Keenum can come in and at least keep the ship afloat. You know, look at what Matt Moore did for Kansas City last year without Mahomes. It was just a couple games, but Matt Moore kept them afloat, right? Didn't let the season fall apart while the quarterback was gone. Case Keenum can be that type of backup if Mayfield has to miss games. And so if you're Cleveland, I, I am buying Cleveland. I, I think last season was obviously the big splashy offseason, but I I would argue this may be even better than last year. Yeah, no, I think it is better. Um, and I think that this is the uh, offseason that they needed. Um, I think the big splashy offseason sometimes gets a little bit overrated. And uh, that was very evident last year when we saw 
what they were uh, what they were doing. Obviously, bad culture, bad head coaching. Uh, we sure. don't know what Steph- we don't know what Stephen Kevin Stefanski is going to do in Cleveland, but um, too much hype around the team. I'm buying. I am buying this off season, and uh, again, a lot of defensive signings plus the offensive line. You can't win a game without a good fortified offensive line. There are two things, the two most important units in football, the defense and the offensive line, and probably offensive line before defense because they protect the guy that's going to lead you down a field, whether he has a good arm or not. He can be a good field general. He has to have an offensive line in front of him. And what did we know about Baker Mayfield going into or throughout all of last year? He was constantly on the run. He had no time to throw the football. And we and we dogged Baker Mayfield about, you know, how disappointing it was and sophomore slump and this. He had no time to throw the football. So let's go get Jack Conklin, cert, solidify the offensive line. Let's go get some guys early. Let's go get some guys in the draft. They're gonna have an early draft pick. So let's let's solidify the offensive line. Get Baker protected. He has the weapons there. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are still there. Yeah. And he has a good run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt there. This team is setting themselves... This is the more, the more successful off-seasons that the Cleveland Browns have had in a long time. And they go get Austin Hooper. Top-tier tight end. Four-year, right. $42 million, $23 million guaranteed in the first two years. Um, just a... A good offseason for Cleveland Browns. I'm buying, and I'm buying that this team is actually a winning football team at the end of the year. I'm not going to say a playoff team because they have a lot of redemption to do, right? Sure. With the, with the disappointment that they had, it's, you, you just can't buy into the Cleveland Browns like that all over again. But with the moves that they made, yeah, maybe we're talking about a winning football team. Nine and seven, ten and six, maybe sneaking into a wild card. Maybe they get the division because that division, other than the other than the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens could totally collapse because that's still unsure. Is that a fluke or is that the way they're actually going to be? There's still a lot of uncertainty there in the AFC North. So um, I like the Cleveland Browns. I'm buying the offseason. Yeah, me too. And uh, I, you know, I think a big factor in this, and you mentioned this, uh, is the new head coach, is Kevin Stefanski. And I believe in Stefanski. I think he's going to have success. I think he's a good, uh, I think he's a solid option for this job. And what he's going to bring most likely from Minnesota is a uh, run first attack, multiple tight ends. So you're going to see Njoku and Hooper. You're going to rely on an offensive line and a running attack through Nick Chubb, who is one of the best young running backs in the league. And that's going to alleviate a ton of pressure from Baker Mayfield. And it's going to allow him to get it, come into his own and really succeed uh, behind a solid offensive line and a solid running attack. So uh, couple that with, with improvement on the defensive side where they have a ton of talent, but a lot of young players too, who will continue to grow. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Cleveland, and I know we were last year, and and you know, fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, you know, shame on me. But I, this is a different team than the Cleveland Browns of last year, and I think we're gonna see that. Yeah, I mean, what you said you said with Cleveland, you know, with Cleveland, fool me once, shame on me; fool me twice, 
or fool, if you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, really, fool me twice, shame on you, Cleveland, because uh, obviously you didn't fix the culture problem that you have there. So um, I don't think it's really foolish to try to buy into this right now just because of, uh, of all the right moves that they made this offseason. Um, very high on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, well, and like I said, it is. This is a very different team than the team last year. So it's that's not you know, it's not just believing in the same thing twice. It's this is a different coach, a different organization. Hopefully, for their sake, they can get to some uh, winning football, which they haven't had in uh, a very long time. All right, Mitch, I think that just about wraps up NFL free agency here. Um, yeah, it was there was quite a bit. And uh, a lot of teams looking very different. A lot of teams that we didn't maybe expect to be talking about that we will be now, uh, a.k.a. like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, we're in for, you know, maybe a long while since we see some football. We don't really know how things will go with this coronavirus uh, and the, you know, the postponement of leagues. But uh, when football does come back, we're going to have some interesting things to look at. Oh, definitely. I'm excited to see the draft this year because of apparently what we're hearing is it's going to be kind of a war room style draft. Okay. And they, and they kind of got those, uh, those, the, uh, cameras up in the war rooms and we can kind of see all the executives and all the scouts and everything talking about these new draft picks. And so that's going to be kind of exciting to talk about and, uh, see happen. Rich Eisen's going to be hosting it. And it, it, it sounds like it's going to be a, a very fun, uh, kind of draft, uh, even though we're not going to have, you know, guys falling in the water and drowning every time they, they uh, <laughs> take a pick. Uh, it, it'll, it'll still be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of good football news to be, uh, to be coming up here. This is a very fascinating off season. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you said it to the draft. We'll have some draft content before ahead of the actual NFL draft on April 23rd. We'll have some sort of podcast talking about that. Cause I mean, I've been deep diving into this for a hot minute and uh, we, uh, we're going to do – we'll probably do some sort of mock draft like we did last year uh, through the first round. I think that would be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, offseason's still going strong. And there, as we mentioned, there's still names out there floating around. Jadavian Clowney doesn't have a team still. Cam Newton don't got a team still. Uh, Jameis Winston doesn't have a team still. There are, there are some guys out there still uh, who are unclaimed. Uh, Devonta Freeman doesn't have a team still. So – uh, we will see some moves here in the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll bring them to you when we talk about them here. And we'll also have NFL draft coverage. And Mitch and I are going to do a podcast here probably next time. Uh, I found this article on Reddit. It was an old article from 2016 that was attempting to predict the top 20 quarterbacks in 2020. And let me tell you, it was extremely off. It was horrible. It was, a, it was an awful list, and it was really fun to look at, so we decided that we will do this same exercise. So we're going to do uh, – we're going to try to predict the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in 2025. So look forward to that. That's going to be a ton of fun. And listen, we know it's going to be bad. When 2025 rolls around and we look at the list, we'll probably laugh at ourselves and think, what were we thinking? Uh, that's kind of the point, but we thought it would be kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we we actually both were uh, kind of walking through and making our lists uh, before we started recording this podcast, so that we could have it prepared for next podcast. And um, it, it was uh, it was quite the conversation we had. There was a, there was a lot of uh, a lot of ones we were pretty unsure about. So um, it, it that'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun one to do and see uh, deep dive a little bit and see uh, uh, 
what's on each other's minds about who we think is going to be top 10 quarterback in the next five years. I mean, five years is so long to think about, right? Yeah, it really is. It really is. So look forward to that, guys. Mitch, you wanted to end this with, uh, I, I guess he had some other entries to the pit of misery besides uh, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's been a while since we started, uh, obviously the Houston Astros make the pit of misery. Um, oh, yeah. I can't believe, I couldn't believe they, were, they weren't on there already, um, being an Ace fan. So, um, but with this whole scandal thing, yeah, they're on there. Uh, it's been a while. It, it that's just a sign of how long it's been since we've done a <laughs> podcast that I got to add the Houston Astros due to their recent controversy. Um, add them onto the pit of misery. Um, but COVID nineteen makes the uh, pit of misery. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, COVID nineteen. Get that out of here. Uh, you have ruined sports life for all of us. Um, when we look for something in a pandemic that can get us through. COVID-19 has to bomb through and go, nope, I'm the guy. I'm the head boss here. COVID-19, screw you. Uh, make sure to wash your hand, folks. Stay clean. Uh, if, you, if you're feeling symptoms, stay away. You know, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep others around you uh, from, from uh, feeling unhealthy if you're not feeling quite up to par. So uh, COVID-19, you're in the pit of misery. <laughs> I don't I don't I even think they don't even deserve a dilly dilly because it's no just no dilly dillies for COVID-19 I will say this people uh it we will never regret being overly cautious about how we handled this whole situation we will definitely regret if we didn't do enough and we didn't react the way we should have but we will never react we will never regret overreacting. So if you feel a little sick and you isolate yourself for two weeks, you're not going to look back 10 years and think, wow, I was an idiot. I was stupid. You may think, well, that was unnecessary, but I was safe and so was my loved ones. And uh, So be extra cautious and take those necessary steps to social distance. Wash your – I will say this 20-second wash your hand thing, Mitch, I don't know what song you've been singing – uh, but the song that I sing to myself when I wash my hands to make sure I hit that 20-second mark is the chorus of XO Tour Life by Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, mm. It's a good one. So I, I've been singing that to myself. I don't know what you have, Mitch. I'm sure people, others have them. Uh, but do that. That's important. Yeah, mine, mine has been uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, solid. That's been my chorus that I've been singing. So, uh yeah, no, guys, stay safe out there. Um, take the proper precautions. Um, we're gonna be right here. We uh, we we hope to be bringing you some more content here. I know it's gonna be tough with with the lack of sports and and everything that's going on, but we uh we are dedicated to uh, bringing you guys some content whenever we can. Um, like Dallin said, we have that top ten quarterbacks list in the in the next five years coming up here. Um. We got some other stuff down the pipe that we've been talking about. So um, we're going to get back on it. We, we, we hope to bring you a little bit of joy um, while, while you guys are struggling through this thing. Um, so stay safe out there. Stay clean. And, uh, and, and look out for each other. Absolutely. We love you all. No sports, but we're here to, to brighten your day. And we will uh, catch you next week. See ya! See ya!